0: So this morning I want to talk about a subject that is important, but that we seldom discuss from the pulpit, at least here at First Methodist. The title of the message today is Rich Man, Poor Man. I don't know why we tend to shy away as pastors from talking about money. I think it's because we don't want to give the impression to anyone who might be listening to our messages, uh, who might be listening on the live stream, that on the one time that they uh, decided to tune in, here we are talking about money. And so the conclusion is, oh, every time I tune in, they're talking about money even if it's just once a year. Money is important in the kingdom of God, but not for the reasons that we as uh, human beings find money to be important. Uh, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 talks about these things, but he does it in such an interesting context that that uh, you really have to pay attention to what God is trying to say through Hebrews chapter 13. Let me just read the passage to you and and then we'll talk about it. Hebrews chapter 13, if you're following along, verses 1 through 8, and then I'll skip to verse 15 and 16. Let mutual love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those who are in prison, as though you were in prison with them. Those who are being tortured, as though you yourselves were being tortured. Let marriage, now, now why does, on, on this being Angela, my anniversary, why, why does the writer of Hebrews talk about torture and then marriage in the same paragraph? <laughs> I, it boggles the mind, yet there's a purpose. Let marriage be held in honor by all and let the marriage bed be kept undefiled. For God will judge fornicators and adulterers. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Who can anyone, what can anyone, do to me. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Through him then, let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that confess his name. Do not neglect to To do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So out of all those verses, I want to focus in just a little bit on a specific part of that passage from Hebrews. Um, The part that begins in verse five, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you so we can with confidence, say, The Lord is my helper. I shall not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? See, it's interesting that the writer of Hebrews finds it important to discuss money and the concept of abandonment in the same passage. What does money have to do with abandonment? And I think as I, as I contemplate this, I think that For many people, having money is having security. Lacking money is insecurity. That makes sense from the typical worldview, doesn't it? We need money to function in this world, do we not? There's there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Money is not bad. Money is not evil in and of itself. It's just a tool for buying the things that we need, even the things that we want. And we certainly do feel more secure when we can pay the mortgage or pay the rent or keep the lights on or put a roof over our heads or fix whatever goes wrong in our church. When we we can buy food and clothes, when we can pay for things to make our life easier and better, we certainly feel more secure and money is a tool that makes those things possible. See, the problem is, the problems arise when we forget where the blessing of money, of supply, of provision, when we forget where all of that comes from, and we start to depend on the money and not the one who provided it. When we start to love the money more than we love the provider, when we place our security in the almighty dollar instead of the almighty Father, that's when we find ourselves chasing the buck, seeking more and more of that stuff, money, because we aren't ever satisfied, because whatever we have is never enough. When you start chasing the almighty dollar, instead of pursuing Almighty God, you tend to be less, not more, secure. No matter how much money you accumulate, the more that we emphasize the balance in our bank accounts, the less we tend to acknowledge the provider God. That's just human nature. And in turn, we begin to give less to those who are in need. When we're trying to hoard it and accumulate it, we tend to be much less generous to those who have none. We tend to offer less to the needs of the church and its ministries. Not because God needs the money, but because there are people in our community who depend, believe it or not, on that $25 gift certificate to Archie's every month. It's hard to fathom. Most of us are not in that position to where that $25 has significant impact, but for some in our community, it does make the difference between a few days of hunger every month and having something in their pantry. We tend to be reluctant givers when we focus on the money and not the provider. Instead of cheerful givers, who Scripture says God loves, we tend to be "Mm, miserly givers. We hand it over, but we kind of cling to it as the usher takes it from our hand. I'm poking fun, but that's that's the attitude that people who pursue the money rather than the provider of the money tend to have about money. God says to us in Malachi 3.10, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And put me to the test now in this, says the Lord of the angel armies. Put me to the test and see if I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Now, I don't know of any other thing In scripture, that God says, Test me in this, except for giving, bringing the full tithe into the collection plate. It's not because God has a big vault in heaven and He takes your money and He puts it there and just accumulates it, and then, like Scrooge McDuck. Sits there and counts it daily just to see how much he has. That's not what's going on in the kingdom of heaven. God asks us to bring the full tithe because he wants our full spiritual discipline and devotion to caring for people that have not in our community. It's a spiritual discipline. And the benefits, God says, far, far outweigh the gift when all is said and done. God says, test me in this. Bring the full tithe and see if I do not pour out my favor on you and your family, your children and their children. See, Jesus tells a story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. He says, there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. For I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things. And Lazarus, in like manner, received evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us, a great chasm has been fixed He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Matthew's gospel tells a similar story, but there's an addition to it that I think is interesting. No man can serve two masters, Matthew writes. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold true to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve both God and money. See, Luke 16 teaches us that we can either seek the favor of man or we can seek the favor of God. Seeking the favor of man is is temporal. Seeking the favor of God is eternal. Matthew 6 teaches us that we can't serve two masters. And more and more these days, as individuals, as congregations, as ministries, we have to make choices as to whose favor we will seek and whom we will serve. We've got a good track record here of always choosing the word and will of God. My prayer is that we will continue to do so. Because every day, as a congregation and as individuals, we will face choices as to whom we will serve. Every day, God renews his promise to walk with us, to never forsake us, to never abandon us. If we will choose to stand for righteousness. Let me say that again. Every day, God renews his promise to walk with us, to never forsake us, to never abandon us, if we will choose to stand for righteousness. See, it's conditional. It's kind of interesting that unconditional love has a condition. But you do have to choose him. We have to choose righteousness. We have to be willing to stand for God. Like Joshua in the Old Testament, we we must continually examine ourselves and say, now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods, small g, that your ancestors served in the region far beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are now living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So my prayer for us this morning. My prayer for our neighbor church in Kingwood and our neighbor church in Atascasita and a handful of others that, who, that will meet today to decide whom they will serve. My prayer is that we will always choose to serve God and not the world. To serve God and not the pursuit of money. I pray that we will stand firm in the face of our modern day Amorites. Those who are seeking to have us assimilate into the collective culture of a land in which we are only sojourners. Visitors. May we find strength in Christ and support in one another and in our Father in heaven who assures us that we are never abandoned and God is our security. Isn't it remarkable that on our money it says, in God we trust? At least it does for now until somebody decides to change it. In God we trust. My prayer for the churches who are choosing whether they will serve God or the world today is that they will choose God. Holy Spirit, guide those around our church today. Our brothers and sisters in Christ who are yearning to be Set free from the bondage of oppression and bad theology. Pave a way for them. Make straight a path so that they can serve you in spirit and in truth from this day forward. That they will choose you and not the world. In Jesus' name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our final hymn this morning, You Are My All-in-All. All. Let's go ahead and stand this. <laughs>